This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along with tabletoppers Leicester City to come to Anfield. We'll be looking ahead at how Clock Reds prepare to hunt down the Foxes. Injuries, injuries, injuries. Who's actually fit to play? And how do Liverpool keep poacher extraordinaire Jamie Vardy quiet? Alongside me to get through all of that, as well as our team selections. And I have with me our chief writer, Ian Doyle. How are we? I'm OK, which uh, is more than can be said for your internet connection. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, we had those issues on Monday, but hopefully we're uh, we'll be all right today. And also with us, Sean Bradbury. Sean, how are you? Not bad, mate. Not bad at all. I don't think I've ever been more glad to see the back of an international break than this one. But um, but yeah, two months of straight football now, and lots more opportunities for players to get injured. So fingers crossed that doesn't happen. Yeah, hope that is the case. We've got sort of good news and bad news to get through. What do you want to start with, Doyle? You can choose good or bad. <laughs> uh, what do you think? What a choose? Let's start with the bad. Yeah, yeah. I thought you'd start with the bad. Let's news. get the bad news. We can save the good news for that one minute at the end of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. The, the good news. The good news isn't all that much, to be fair. But the bad news being sort of, I suppose, with the international break, how costly is it then, and how costly will it prove to be these players who have got injured and the run of games that Liverpool now have to come? Because we've seen a number of players go down through the course of the international break. Joe Gomez, Mohamed Salah, Jordan Henderson, all going to be unavailable for this one yeah I mean they're all different injuries aren't they in terms of the the impact and how they got them you'd see Joe Gomez would be surprised if you see him again this season but Liverpool about a week to get used to that fact uh, Jordan Henderson he was I think, pretty sure he was training uh, yesterday certainly picture with the ball yesterday whether or whether it was today but whether or not you know we know he's not going to hurt the game against Leicester on Sunday but I can't see him being out for too long uh, Mohamed Salah, we, um, we'll, I'm sure we'll touch on that in a little bit about his, his uh, positive coronavirus test and what happened and how he ended up getting that. And being, you know, Jurgen Klopp's obviously spoken on that, as I know we're going to talk about that as well. So if you factor in the fact that, you know, Virgil van Dijk's already out, they already know Trent Alexander-Arnold is out, and there are still doubts over uh, Fabinho and Thiago. Again, that could technically be the good news because Klopp hasn't ruled the pair of them out yet. And, uh, you know, we saw... We saw uh, Fabinho in training um, ahead of the game. Though we did see Thiago on some stirs. I'm pretty sure that that's not why it's, you know, that, that there's a bit more required to play in the first team for Liverpool than be pictured on some stirs, walking up some stirs. So I'm not sure he'll be back. I'd be surprised if he was. But Fabinho would be a decent shout, given the fact that, you know, Liverpool don't have that many uh, central defensive resources with Gomez and Van Dijk out and Matip, he's probably not going to be able to play three games a week. And then you're looking at Reese Williams and, and Nat Phillips. So overall, yeah, the injury situation isn't great, but the fact that there's still a chance that Fabinho and uh, Thiago could play suggests it's almost not as bad as people thought. No, maybe could be the case. Uh, Sean, where does the blame last week? Doyle had written a piece about how Liverpool have had so many injuries it equates to a team. And yet now there's probably room for substitutes as well. Does the, the, the blame lie with Ian Doyle? Oh, the blame for everything lies with Ian Doyle. That's just, yeah. <laughs> Never mind injuries, pretty much everything else. Um, no, yeah, obviously it's it, it's not a good situation. It does feel a little bit like on Sunday, it's basically going to be James Milner taking a load of kids on a school trip to Anfield, really, and they've just got to play Leicester as well, which which isn't great. But 
Yeah, I, th- I think it's that. It's the issue now is that it's affected every rank of the team, hasn't it? The, the, there's injury problems at the back. There's difficulties in midfield and uncertainty around which of the first team stars will be available. And as Doyle and, and yourself, Guy, mentioned, there's the Salah situation too, which affects the attack as well, which has so far been relatively spared this season, certainly compared to the other areas of the pitch. Um, it's not great at all, but I, I do think, I know, we, I know we've started with the bad news, but I'll try and spin this into an ever so slight positive. I think if you look back to the City game, I thought it was it was a real reference point for Klopp that injuries, to a certain extent, had forced his hand with his selection and also his formation. I think if extra players had been available, I'm not so certain he'd have gone to Man City with such an attacking setup as that 4-2-3-1, 4-4-2, maybe even 4-2-4, however you want to categorise it. But I think the fact that Liverpool have gone to the Etihad and done that has pretty much suggested that they could go anywhere and do that, or they could certainly do it at Anfield against even a team as good as Leicester in a top-of-the-table clash and potentially get away with it. I think that was a big reference point for Liverpool, you know, to, to avoid defeat at City and in that opening half hour to, to really kind of go at them and, and play well. I'm not even suggesting that's what that's how they'll line up on Sunday, but I think given the game's and the schedule is now so intense over the next couple of months. I certainly think they can revert to that when they need to, perhaps on Wednesday, if they do take a slightly more measured approach on Sunday. I think the other thing as well is, you know, we're all guessing now the team and, and even the setup, the, the system that will be put in place on Sunday. Every single opposition manager will be scratching their heads more than normal now because, you know, you wind the clock back to last season, say you could probably anticipate it was going to be a 4-3-3. You didn't really know how Liverpool were going to come at you. You know, they're obviously a very unpredictable team, certainly up front and things like that. But you know how they're going to set up. You can broadly plan for your avenues of attack and and the key danger areas. I don't think that's the case anymore. Uh, You don't know the formation that's going to come or the players that are going to come. So there's an ever so slight element of surprise for Liverpool. But yeah, it's it's not ideal. I think the key one for me really is, is midfield. I think if your midfield and attack are solid enough, you can blow teams away potentially, especially when you're as dangerous as Liverpool and make up for an inexperienced backline. But yeah, it's, it's the engine room that's my concern for Sunday. But I'm, you know, I'm sure we'll come on to our team selections in, in time to come. And I would say as well, in a specific case of this game, Leicester have got their issues too. So it does go both ways. And that obviously strengthens the argument of Jurgen Klopp and other managers to get player welfare sorted and get more substitutes out there, which um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully will happen soon. Yeah, looking at the injury list then, just to sort of round that point off. So it seems as though certainly out of the game will be Salah, Henderson, Gomez, Trent, Van Dijk and obviously Oxlade-Chamberlain, who's been injured through the course of pre-season and ever since. But Doyle, I suppose it's those who have question marks over them, key to sort of what Liverpool can choose to do. As Sean said, we'll get onto our team selections, but we see we saw the pictures of Thiago. Fabinho looks as though he's stepping up his return to training. Then you've got Reese and Nico Williams, who were both sort of question mark doubts over the course of the international break. And we might finally get a chance to see Kostas Simikas. I think he was away with Greece during the international break. Yeah, I think with, with Simikas, I think he's going to be more reserved for probably some of the Champions League games coming up to give Andy Robertson a rest, especially if Liverpool have, have got the results they need to get through the group stage, which we you know in, in, in midweek we'll talk about that. And that, that'll be bonus that Liverpool can do that. But in terms of the players coming back, I think it was very encouraging to see Fabinho doing actual work rather than just standing on the stairs and standing around. I think they might risk Fabinho 
chance because you know we'll talk about Leicester in a bit. They, as, as Sean said, they've had plenty of injury problems themselves this season. But I think for for Liverpool, it's different to a lot of the other clubs because the fact that they're three, that the players who are out for them, they've got the top scorer, arguably best player in Salah. They've got the skipper Jordan Henderson. They've got the best defender in the world in Van Dijk, and they've got their most creative player in terms of chances and you know and assists in, in Trent Alexander-Arnold. So you're not going to be able to replace them at all. You won't be able to do that. It'll be other players coming in and doing a decent job. But Leicester, I think, had almost their entire defence missing. And the players they've got in reserve are probably a lot nearer to the level that, of Leicester's first-team players than, say, Liverpool's players in reserves. And that's not to say Liverpool's reserves or second-choice defenders are, are, are bad. It's just that if you've got the likes of, say, Van Dijk and, and Trent Alexander-Arnold, there are very few players in the world who can compare to them. What they Certainly given what they do in Liverpool team, there's very few players who can compare to Mohamed Salah. So it will be more difficult for Liverpool to absorb those players missing, which is why I think they may look to not push Fabinho, because if there's no chance that he can play, he won't play. But if there is a chance that Fabinho can, can turn out on Sunday... I think he will. I'll be I'll be amazed if Thiago is even on the bench. That will be a massive bonus for Liverpool because I can't see them. It's only one game. There's no and you know as Klopp said in his press conference today. There's only played eight games of the league. So I know there's a lot hanging around this game in the sense that it's if Liverpool avoid defeat, they will set a club record for the amount of of, of you know games undefeated at home in the in the league. So there's that and the fact that it's the leaders and it's Brendan Rodgers coming. So. There is more on this game than perhaps just an, an average game against Leicester, but I don't see that being a game where Liverpool would take any necessary risks with team selection, given the fact that three quarters of the season are still to play, and you want you'd want someone like Thiago Fabinho playing ten games rather than, than missing this one, rather than playing this one and then missing the next ten. Yeah, definitely get the get the point there. Let's um, move on to Mohamed Salah then, Sean, and talk about him. He was. Uh, mentioned in the press conference by Jurgen Klopp. Of course, he tested positive for COVID uh, last week during the international break. And Jurgen Klopp seemed to, I don't know if it's right to call it a dig or anything like that, but he sort of spoke about a personal experience he had during the summer and seemingly tried to sort of compare it to Mohamed Salah going to his, his brother's wedding. Yeah, um, <laughs> it, it was quite an interesting one, wasn't it? I... I my take on it was that he was being quite gracious, really. Um, I get the impression that the stronger words have perhaps been said behind the scenes. And, you know, he reaffirmed that there was nothing more to say in public. He said what the Egypt national team doctor had said earlier in the week, which is, was that Salah's symptoms were mild. Um, yeah, and, and he referred back to this example of, I think it was, a, it was a birthday party, wasn't it, over the summer that he was invited to. And then, crucially, he said, eventually he decided not to go. Um, yeah, I wasn't quite sure what, what what kind of side of the Salah debate he was trying to trying to kind of have sympathy with or come down on there. You know, whether it's the fact that there are these things that are going to cause you a temptation in these difficult times, or it was the fact that ultimately professionalism won out with Klopp and he didn't go and he didn't do this thing. I mean, yeah, I think it, it's an interesting one. We've been reporting on this over the last week or so since it it broke at the end of last week and Salah first tested positive and. One thing that we got from Egyptian journalists who a lot of them were, were messaging our guys and helping out with translations and things like that, uh, which was already great and, and useful. But again, I'm, not, I'm no absolute expert on Egyptian governance and how they're handling the coronavirus crisis. But from what they said, the impression was that 
what Salah did in terms of going to this wedding and going to this ceremony where he was he was given an award was kind of all above board in terms of the restrictions and the guidance that of what you're allowed to do in Egypt. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that it was a sensible thing to do because you know I think that it, it's not just a Liverpool situation, is it? He's he's missed two qualifying games for his country for a big tournament that, that were quite crucial. Obviously, Egypt have done all right without him. They've they've won both games and. I haven't seen much criticism of him from from that perspective, but you know a lot of people are uh, going to be under temptation to do certain things, especially as we hit this second lockdown period. And I think he, he has, to some extent, left himself open for criticism by by doing this. But as Klopp also said, it's it's his brother's wedding. You know, there's there's I'm sure there's a lot of people who would be even here tempted to to kind of do something like that if the situations were at all comparable, which to a degree they're not, because as I say, there is this extra thing in terms of it being another country and temporarily him being in a situation where he's subject to different rules. Um, yeah, but I, I think the main point I took from what Klopp was saying was that whatever has he's felt has needed to be said has been said. You know, he said, me and Mo are fine now. It's all, you know, we've drawn a line under it. Um the fact I think Liverpool have perhaps been lucky. The fact that you know his symptoms don't seem to have been too excessive. Uh, they've been able to get him back today on this private jet with with Elneny of Arsenal. Um, and then in terms of what we understand of the protocol, it's it's ten days. Ten days quarantine is is mandatory, uh, regardless of what the Premier League in, insist upon from the first positive test. So I think that that ten day period will take him to Leicester and beyond. Um, and then if he does show a negative, then he'll be given the green light to come back to training. So, yeah, I think I think it's a situation that, you know, maybe isn't the best one, but hopefully Liverpool and the player can kind of move on from it quite quickly. Um, th- that we did have the buffer of the international break, is, it again, is a positive. It's a bit like Trent's injury. If, if it's, if it's going to happen at any time, from Liverpool's perspective, it be- it's best that it happens at a time when the club aren't directly affected for a portion of that time. Um, but yeah, I, I just got the impression that been dealt with in-house by Klopp and uh, he wants to move on as soon as possible, which is understandable. Yes, certainly. And I suppose in terms of the impact it'll have on Liverpool, Doyle, in terms of playing Salah doesn't miss many games at all. It'll be a new experience for Liverpool, obviously, not having him there to call upon. Yeah, it'll be a strange one. I mean, as I said before, he's the top scorer this season, isn't he? he? So if James Miller ends up not playing, what happens if Liverpool get a penalty? Who takes that? So I'm sure they'll work it out between themselves. But, yeah, I mean, going back to what Sean was saying, it was his brother's wedding. He was going to deny the fact that he should be going to that. I mean, it, it could easily have not got it there, actually, could he? Because you can't really tell exactly where it is that he got it. But as Sean said, he's opened himself up for criticism because he actually did not so much go to that, but he was pictured, wasn't he? Not socially distancing or wearing a mask were... In this country, we'd be expected to do that, whereas perhaps, I don't know the ins and outs of Egypt's coronavirus restrictions or or, or the health and, health and safety, you know, what they what is required over there. But certainly over here, if you'd have done that, then it would, it would have been frowned upon. So, I mean, it will be a miss for Liverpool. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't play against Atalanta as well um, in midweek. I think there's still this confusion, isn't there, over where, at what point is it that if he's still testing negative, because he tested negative, uh, sorry, tested positive uh, yesterday, and I think that was his third test inside six days. So that suggests that he's still suffering from it, or certainly if his body's still suffering from it. He, as, as he said, he's not showing now any symptoms. And no, it's a strange one, really, because 
we're still in this kind of where we're all still learning about the virus aren't we so it's just going to be something that's ongoing and as much as play as an individual you try your best to restrict the you know the, the chances of you contracting it you, you've got a very you know you will people will invariably just pick it up despite everything that they do and you know, as I said before, there's no. It could well be that he didn't get it at the wedding, and he just got it when he was just, you know, with the Egypt national team. Because all these people, players, are coming from different countries, coming together with their own. You know, a lot of the restrictions are the same, but they may not be. You know, we've seen what it's like at, at Liverpool. The, you know, when they were at Melwood, it was all one-way system, and that's been introduced at Kirby when they moved up to there this week, and they're not allowed to do X, Y, and Z, and all this, that, and the other. So. We don't exactly know what every every country is the same, which is why the international break has been such a nightmare. Because, as Klopp said before they even went away, he said, "Look, oh, this is a trouble for us because never mind the injuries, but the travelling around and all this, that, and the other." And he said, "You know, Sadio Mane and Thiago were the two players who previously pub gone public with the fact that they contracted the virus." And Klopp explained it away as one was a international break and the other one was Thiago because he was moving over to this country, he had to do a bit of travelling. That's what's happened to him. So the players will be back in the the bubble as it were you know the, the liverpool bubble the kirby bubble call it what you want but i would be surprised if there's as many you know suffer from it because of that but in terms of salah it, it will be a loss because he's, he's liverpool's most productive player this season and let's be honest he has been since he started yeah, certainly. And you're mentioning there the good news I had right at the beginning of the, the podcast was just that international football's over and now they are all going to be back at at, AXA, at the AXA training facility at Kirby for all the... Uh, what is it? The AXA training facility? You're getting, you're getting paid for the naming rights. <laughs> it's well, called Kirby. It's Kirby. All right. OK. All right. They're, they're, back at, they're, they're back at Kirby till March then. All right. OK. There we go. Yeah, we, we've got it from further on, it won't be referred to as actor then. Anyway, <laughs> let's get into the game itself. Sean, I'll come to you first, uh, away from the, the prickly Ian Doyle. Uh, could Liverpool have sort of wished for a, uh, I suppose, a tougher game? League leaders coming to Anfield, and not only are they league leaders, I suppose their style of play, trying to hit teams on the counter, as we saw them do at Manchester City, is just what Liverpool really won't want to uh, to be coming up against in this game. Yeah, I totally agree. To be honest, I think I think Leicester have been they've been excellent. I mean, I know they started last season well too, but even at this early stage, like you say, they've beaten City. I think they've beaten Wolves, Arsenal, Leeds. Quite a few of those games away from home. None of those teams are pushovers. So I'd say to a certain extent, their their form has been has been franked. Um, and and I think as well, like that the thing that I would be worried about a little bit if I was if I was Klopp was. Was was that Villa game? I think Liverpool have obviously put that behind them um, it, brilliantly. To be honest, that the the run of games and being unbeaten since that you know terrible result leading into the previous international break ultimately could be season defining. I think. I think if Liverpool can you know ride out this this storm now, where they're really under the gun in terms of injuries, and get to January, perhaps have a look at the centre back situation and equip themselves for the second half of the season. I do think these. Six or seven games, where they got a couple of draws and mostly wins, will will be looked back upon as as a huge period. But yeah, Leicester now is is, is really tricky because they're scoring goals, they're not conceding many. Um, what what and, and I think as well that they'll they're a, a rare case of a team that would really make Liverpool think about the way they set up and, and the way they play. And just yeah, just to go back to the the point I was going to make about Villa. It, it would almost be pretty suicidal if Liverpool set up in a in a similar way and and weren't absolutely sure that 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 structure was 
was rigid and solid and everyone knew what they were doing and the, the, the pressing triggers were all correct and they weren't going to leave gaps and space for Jamie Vardy to run into and the likes of um, Leicester's midfield to pick passes to him. I think that could be really dangerous. But I, I, I don't think Liverpool will get caught and I do think they will they might be slightly more cautious than normal. I know we're going to come on to our, our system and our setup and things like that and, and pick our teams. But yeah, I just think it would be a difficult sell to Klopp if everyone was fit and he said, look, Leicester are top of the table, they're coming to Anfield. I'm worried about this. I'm looking back to Villa and thinking how easily we got exposed, how we were you know, done on the counter-attack time and time again. But it's a little bit different now, isn't it? With all these injuries, I think he can approach it in a more sensible way and just say, this is a difficult situation for us in terms of our, our, our squad. You know, We know we're up against it. There's a bit of adversity here. We're going to have to dig in, in in a certain way. We can't attack in the normal way that we do. I think, you know, think back to that Boxing Day destruction of Leicester that Liverpool put in put in last season. And Trent Alexander-Arnold, one of his best performances ever, I'd say, if not the best, he's, he's putting in a red shirt and he's not going to be available. Robertson has played more minutes than any Liverpool player so far this season. So he's probably going to play, I'd imagine, but there's a lot on him. So, yeah, I think, I think Leicester will essentially make Liverpool change the way they play a little bit, but... I think that the tools will be there and there's enough players, thankfully, coming back to form and fitness now that Liverpool will give them give them a real good game. But yeah, you're right. Absolute nightmare in terms of a, of a fixture after the break. What what I would say as well, though, is there's, there's a little bit less pressure on Atalanta because of how well Liverpool have started their Champions League group stage campaign. So you can look to that game, not quite as a resting opportunity for, for the entire first 11, but you can certainly make changes and... I think go quite gung-ho in that one and just try and get the win done, try and secure qualification. And then you start, you know, the, the the calendar after that for the next two or three weeks, despite the fact that it's busy, maybe starts to take on a little bit of a different complexion. You can you can really then rest in the other Champions League games. I think, you know, there's, there's Brighton, there's Fulham to come uh, before, before Spurs ticks round. D- tricky games, don't get me wrong, but ones in which Liverpool would expect to go and get a result, I think. Um, so... Yeah, uh, again, I've said it a few times, we'll come on to team selection, but I, I almost think Liverpool can afford to really go at this one, make some changes in midweek and then dial things down a little bit. So as much as it's a difficult tie, I think the Reds have got every chance on Sunday. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, it does feel like this is the... The real big test, as you say, before some maybe sort of friendly, friendlier-looking fixtures on paper. But Doyle, on sort of the the system that Liverpool will play, and I suppose maybe I'm overthinking it, but unfamiliar sort of partnerships across the pitch and players maybe coming in from the cold. Liverpool at home may be expected to sort of dominate possession and sort of take the game to Leicester. That's exactly the sort of thing that Leicester like, isn't it? Being able to sit deep. We saw what they did to City. They got a goal against Arsenal in much the same way. They've got a back five this this season and Jamie Vardy up top who's scored in every single away game so far in the Premier League this season. Yeah, I mean, you've got to bear in mind with Leicester. Leicester a little bit like, to a certain degree, Man City and Arsenal in the sense that I only think they can play one way. You know, we, we've, we've said before that Arsenal are a defensive team and that kind of... I was surprised that Leicester won at Arsenal, to be honest, for that reason. I think Arsenal perhaps started to get a bit ambitious in the second half and that perhaps opened them up for the kind of goal that Leicester liked to score. Because while Leicester won 5-2 at Man City, Leicester got beat 3-0 at home by West Ham and got beat at home by Aston Villa. And they're not particularly great results. And they both games, they failed to score. Both, both times, 
predominantly against teams who just sat back and just did basically did a Leicester on them. I'm not suggesting Liverpool are going to do that, but as Sean said, they'll probably take a step back. Perhaps, you know, they don't want to be exposed to that high line. They've done quite well against Vardy, actually, in, in recent years. There was that 4-0. There was the 2-1 last season. I think he got through once, didn't he? And he was saved by, would have been Adrian? Yeah, he was saved by Adrian, I think it was. Um, obviously, Liverpool won 2-1 in the end. I think Madison got the goal. But looking back at the Aston Villa game, Aston played on the break, but they had runners from midfield. And that's something you can't really defend against really unless you really do go back they haven't really got that they've got you know Vardy likes to sit on the shoulder the last man so it'll be interesting to see whether or not Fabinho you know whether he, that's why they put in so much stock in him coming back because we saw him against uh, Werner Werner sorry for Chelsea earlier this season he did quite a good good job against him he's quite a pacey player and I'm not saying that you know Phillips or Williams I mean, in fact well Phillips first to say he's not quite as fast as Vardy not as fast as Fabinho um Williams, he's, he's fairly speedy, but that will be his Premier League debut. So you can see why Liverpool would want Fabinho back, especially with Henderson not being available, which, well, I said, will come up to the team a bit later on. That kind of complicates things even further because not only is that your, another possible centre-back option, but that's also your defensive midfielder if Fabinho is playing in centre-back and he might not even be there anyway. So you're missing four, four defensive players. They're bang in the middle. So they'll have to come up with a plan. Uh, <laughs> worry for me is I think it's it's quarter past seven, isn't it, on Sunday, the game. And I'm pretty sure Liverpool's only ever quarter past seven on Sunday was the seven two against Aston Villa. So hopefully they've uh, hopefully they've not, you know, they've paced themselves a bit better than that one and just you know just thought, oh no, we're not we haven't played yet. What are we doing? So it is a bit of a long wait to be playing at the weekend, but it does give Liverpool that extra day, funnily enough, after the international break. Could bear in mind they played Everton at half twelve on the Saturday morning after the last one. So it's it's not it's almost not quite, but it's almost 36 hours more, isn't it? It's it's quite a big gap for them. To, so it's given them an extra day to possibly get Fabinho fit, certainly given them an extra day to work on a system which, as I say, will do the team in a bit. I mean, I'm pretty much convinced that if Fabinho is not fit, but three they'll have worked on something all week because three of the back four will have been not in international duty, they would have been the at, at Melwood and then Kirby for the last fortnight. Yeah, this team selection is going to be fascinating, trying to work out who goes where and not that you sort of clone and put Fabinho in two different positions, I, I suppose. But you mentioning there that the quarter past seven on a Sunday evening, I suppose if there's one lesson to take from the previous one, it's if Everton, Man City or Man United get thumped, don't go gloating about it before Liverpool have, uh, have finished it in their no, it game. Still, but... United losing six more was still funny. It was still yeah, funny. It was. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> but there, there was a few text messages. To be fair, to be fair even, even the Liverpool game was quite funny in the end. It was just like, oh, what's this going to finish at? You know, it was just like you were laughing by the end. Well, I know you were, but, you know. Well, I was. I was. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's let's sort of talk a bit about uh, Jamie Vardy, Sean. And he's not scored against Liverpool. He's got a good record against Liverpool. Seven in, I think it's 11 matches. But he's not crucially scored against Liverpool since Virgil van Dijk uh, signed for the Reds. Last time I think he, he scored was December 2017, the final game before van Dijk did arrive at Anfield. In fact, he was in the stands that afternoon at a 2-1 win in which Salah scored. But of course... He's not going to be there to keep Vardy quiet. And I suppose it is that sort of whether there's pace in the Liverpool back line or not, that maybe is one of the key questions in this one. Yeah, I think that's the big concern, isn't it? And that's why I'm convinced, like like Dory said before, that the line will drop a little bit and they'll perhaps have to rely a little bit differently on where the creativity comes from. 
Um, especially without having Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah, Vardy, I just think, I think he's a phenomenon. And I do think some credit has to go to Rodgers here because to keep him in such great condition and shape, because I think, what is he now, 33? Perhaps 34? Maybe, maybe 33, actually. He's not quite that old. Um, yeah, you know, he's got he's got eight goals in seven games this season. I think he got 23 in the league last season, which was almost as, as good as his best ever tally in, in the top flight, um, which is phenomenal, really. And... I think he's one of those players as well where it, in some ways it's quite easy to at least envisage what what you shouldn't do, what what you shouldn't let him have, which is, you know, space and areas to run into when he's on the last shoulder and maybe giving players in midfield and, and like uh, fall back for less than the time on the ball to like pick him out and, you know, put a through ball through or a ball over the top. Um, and it's almost easier said than done that. Like Klopp in his press conference today, he was asked about Vardy and just said, you know, why is he so difficult to stop? He just said, oh, it's, it's his speed first and foremost, how he uses that, how how he's smart. Um, and he said something like how he gambles in a good way, um, which is always a, you know, a, a neat way of summing him up. Um, and Yeah, and I suppose sometimes he's slightly flattered isn't he, in terms of his goal tallies because he does take the penalties, but he's pretty lethal on those as well. Um, but yeah, I think... Recent results, uh, as you guys have alluded to, against Leicester, despite Vardy's good record, have have indicated that Liverpool have usually been quite good at coming up with a plan for him. Um, and it is a concern. I think you're right. Without that recovery pace of Joe Gomez, Van Dijk as well, who you know for for such a big fella is quick. Um, and I, for me, that would influence team selection a little bit, which we'll come on to. But um, I'd, I'd be looking for to try and get a bit of pace into that back line if it was possible. Um, and and yeah, I think Nico Williams would be, would be part of my answer. But but yeah, we'll we'll come on to that. I'm sure. Yeah, Jamie Vardy. I suppose one of the the great things about him, Doyle, is just how sort of clinical he's now become. How sort of few touches he needs, but when he does get an opportunity, he does sort of seem to take it. He lurks on the defender's last shoulder. There have been comparisons in the past, of course, to the great Ian Russian and Jamie Vardy. Yeah, I think he's great. I think Vardy's great. I mean, and I also think he deserves credit for staying with Leicester. Could have gone after, you know, Mares went, didn't he, after they won the, the league, but he stayed there. And I'm just looking at his, his figures here. I think he's got, what is he, he's got nine and eight already this season. And he's, th- he's 34 in January, which for somebody to still have the pace that he's got. And as Klopp said, the interesting thing is that, as, as Sean said then, is that he uses his pace well. Because you can think of, you know, there's loads of players you go, wow, he's really quick. And oh, look, he's just ran, ran down a, you know, dead end. You know, he's going, he's going nowhere. And they just usher them out. But that doesn't t- tend to happen too often with Vardy. And because he's got that, he's one of these strikers that I actually would probably say, above all of them, he's probably the most dangerous striker to defend against the entire league. And that includes, you know, the likes of Aguero and Aubameyang and, all, and the three that Liverpool have got, actually. Um, because he's just, he can do nothing all game. But because he's got that pace, he just needs that one kind of, he can get in behind and then he's away. And that's all he needs, just one pass and that's it. In that sense, he is a little bit like Ian Rush. That's what Ian Rush was like. I mean, Thierry Henry was good, but he, he kind of used his pace in a different way. You know, you don't really see Vardy going past two or three players, do you? He tends to just get in behind somebody, then, he, then he's away. And that's something that, you know, Liverpool have to, you know, as as Sean said, they've since Virgil van Dijk's there, the, they haven't had much trouble with him in terms of goal scoring, but obviously Van Dijk isn't going to be there now, is he? Uh, so it will be interesting to see how Liverpool cope with it. But as I said before, I think they'll have spent quite a bit of time 
if not with the players and certainly the coaching staff, you can imagine Jurgen Klopp and Pep Linders and, and Peter Kravitz have been sitting around going, right, what we're going to do about what we're going to do about Vardy because if Vardy doesn't play, then Leicester can't play the way they like to play. Therefore, their entire team changes in terms of their approach and they possibly change one or two personnel. And then suddenly it's Liverpool can maybe step forward one or two yards, do the pressing game a little bit better because it is going to be an interesting one because the one thing that Liverpool won't want to do is allow Vardy one-on-one or the other way they could just they could just do being typically Liverpool contrary we'll just go right we're just going to play that higher line we're going to step about five yards off the halfway line and just keep on getting him offside and we've seen we've seen what happens with the late flags and stuff like that with VAR can you imagine that imagine if you try that and Klopp Klopp, Klopp will be able to get a corner on the, on the touchline even though it's always offside because they're always clean through so I'm rather hoping for for all of our health that he does, they don't do that but it will be interesting because there are very few teams who you play against in the Premier League that does shape the way that you approach, especially when you're the Premier League and world champions at Liverpool. And I think Leicester are probably one, and that's without even mentioning the fact that the manager used to be manager of Liverpool, Brendan Rodgers. So he'll know one or two tricks about you know how, how best to cope with Liverpool. Although having said that, his record against Liverpool since taking over Leicester has not been very good. No, certainly not. And, and Vardy, as you say, he, he does like on that last shoulder, but he's also mm. goal against Leeds and against Arsenal were both created by, I think he's Chenzing Under, the uh, young Turkish winger they brought in, who he effectively, the one running from deep, breaks the offside trap, squares it, and Vardy puts it in the back he, of the he net. Can I say he played didn't he? And the, did he come from Roma? Did, didn't he? He was the big thing when Liverpool were playing uh, yeah. Roma in the Champions League semi-final. And I think he played, I'm pretty sure he played the second leg. Don't, I mean, we might have come on in the first leg. Pretty sure he played the second leg and, he, and not a lot. Okay, Roma won 4 2. So good result for them. But overall, Liverpool, I think, kind of coped with him. But he's come on a bit since then. But yeah, you're right to say that it's not just Vardy's got the pace. But if you haven't got him there leading that line, I think Leicester, you know, that, that's the one player they, you know, as we said before, they can lose all the defence and replace him. They can't replace, can't replace Vardy, which is why. As Sean said, they've done very well at the age of nearly 34, keeping him out there on the, on the pitch. And I know he's missed a few games this season, I think, didn't he? So otherwise, you know, that shows you how well Leicester have done then, isn't it? If he's missed a few and they're still top of the league. Yeah, he's literally also come on for cameos, grabbed goals or grabbed his hat-trick against Man City and came off and, and things like that. But let's get into our team selection then, a real big one for this game. Alison Becker in goal, Sean I'll throw over the defence to you. I think it's uh, well, it's, it's going to take some sort of piecing together all of this. Yeah, it is probably more than ever a kind of domino effect, isn't it, of availability and suitability to certain positions. Well, pick it up on what I said before then. Um, to, to jump ahead to my midfield almost to explain my defensive uh, selections. I, I was initially thinking, oh, you, you, need, J- you, need, you need James Milner uh, at right back because you want an experienced and wise head in, in that back line, especially if, you know, we're going to have to chop and change a little bit. Uh, but I'm having him in midfield, which we'll come on to, which means Nico Williams is at right back. And I think as we talk about Vardy, and when you look at the rest of the defence, without Van Dijk, without Gomez, without Trent as well, Williams is probably going to be the paciest of, of the four I'd select. So having him there for those counter-attacks, if Liverpool do at times, you know, decide to get high up the pitch and, and, and bring that line forward a little bit. So I'd have him in. Uh, I think in the middle, as Doyley said before, that those, you know, we're, we're, we're guessing really because Klopp just kind of said in his, in his press conference, oh, you know, we'll see. But 
it did look for all the world from the training images like Fabinho was a bit further on than some of the other guys who were just coming back from injury. Matip, again, obviously retired from international football. He, he seemed to be fit and well. So I'm hoping that Matip and Fabinho could be the, the central pairing. And um, I think Dodi makes a great point of how well Fabinho dealt with Timo Werner. It was it was excellent in, in that game. He was, you know, he really kind of matched him for strength and, and pace most of the time. And obviously Liverpool kept the clean sheet, so it was good. Uh, and then yeah, Robertson, who I do think is, is a bit of a kind of ticking time bomb. Like I wasn't that surprised to hear him talk about soreness and hamstring issues when he was on this international break where it mustn't be forgotten Scotland had three competitive games which kind of never normally happens on an international break does it which is an extra twist to this season but um yeah he's played more minutes than any other red foot for Liverpool um so far this campaign so there's got to be a, a point as as alluded to earlier where Simicast comes in but I absolutely don't think this is it especially when you haven't got Trent um and yeah him him going forward will will be key so yeah that's my back four with with Milner initially in there, but now he's gone forward into midfield, so we'll come on to that. Doily, what about what about you? Uh, right. Well, I was initially going to put Milner at right back, but now I've kind of been coming out of it. Um, this the thing is, there's so many variables, isn't there? We don't know how fit some of these players are. But the interesting thing for me, did you know Alisson wasn't in goal for Brazil in any of their games? It was Edison that was in goal. When you consider that Alisson's meant to be first choice, he's kind of lost his place now because he, he had his injury in the last international problem so it looks like is that good for Liverpool I would imagine it would be uh, anyway so Alisson in goal as we said Robertson's got to play I think Simicast plays against Atalanta um, Matip's got to play I think if Fabinho's got one leg he'll probably play um, right back if Fabinho doesn't play if Fabinho doesn't play I think he might go with Reese Williams simply because he's faster than that Phillips. And I can't see Leicester putting in loads of long balls and anything because that's why he did very well against West Ham. He dominated, wasn't it? Haller, who's, you know, considering his size isn't the most aggressive of forwards, so he was able to do that. I think Vardy's a different challenge along with some of the midfielders. Um, so if, if, if Williams, if Fabinho isn't fit, then again, is Williams fit? I think he probably is, to be honest. Hmm. Uh, and then I'm going to go, I don't know, you know, I don't. I can't. I'm not sure whether I can commit to Nico Williams being right back, simply because he hasn't played for Liverpool for, for quite a while. I know he's done well for. He did well for Wales, and he's got the pace. Really and I can see what Sean's saying. Yeah, that would have been. Yeah, he played the two League Cup games. I think he came on. He came on against Atalanta, didn't he, for like the last six or seven minutes? Oh, he did. And made yeah. one good, decent clearance. So. Uh, you see, because it's, it's it's a difficult one then. If you put Nico Williams on the right, then you're going to have to put somebody really steady, either on the right of the midfield or on the right wing, because you don't want them just, you know, Leicester bombing down there, especially if Albrighton plays. So I, I really like Albrighton. And if he, he tends to do something against Liverpool, whether it's set up a goal or foul Mane for the winning penalty, he does something. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, okay, Williams. Yeah, Nico Williams is playing. There you go. Otherwise, this podcast no, will go on forever. Just me thinking. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go very different. I think it hinges around sort of that midfield controller because obviously Henderson's out. We don't know about Thiago more than likely, probably out. Fabinho, if you don't have him for there, who do you have for there? I'm gonna go. Here we go. My back four: Milner at right back, centre halves Matip and Robertson, and Simicast at left back. That's what I'm Oof. gonna say. 
Lack of long balls forward, as you mentioned, Doyle, and Robertson's got a pace to play inside. That's, yeah, that's, Robertson, that's, yeah, yeah that, that's the one. Yes, the Robertson who's like dodgy hamstrings. All right, let's put him centre back so he can just run yeah. against Vardy. Yeah, good that's, plan. Yeah, that's, 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 that's the way I'm, that's the trying, way I'm going. You're just going to injure all the Liverpool players, aren't you? No, 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 no. That's, that's, the, that's, that's the way I'm going. And uh, yeah, I think, actually, centre-back's the least taxing position on the body. I mean, it's not proven that way for Liverpool this season. But anyway, into the midfield, Liverpool this season drawn against sort of three-man or five-man defences have often gone 4-2-3-1. Leicester, have we... The three-one return for you, or how's your midfield looking? No, I, I was thinking four-two-three-one, but I, I, I don't, I don't think you can quite commit to that. I think there was the way, as much as I was impressed with the performance against City, there were times when, when Liverpool fell into a defensive shape, they, they, it didn't quite click, and you could really see how exposed it was. The back four, and then the two, and when City was just pouring forward, particularly from like full back and wide areas, they were, they were getting, getting in relatively easily, or much more easily than I think Klopp would have liked. So I think that really depends on, on the two. And and if you've got, if you had Henderson fit, I think it'd be a possibility. If you absolutely knew that Thiago was fit and firing and could play alongside Wijnaldum, again, possibly, but I think you need that three in midfield. And then going back to my kind of Williams-Milner dilemma, I, I think Milner is 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 in there. And exactly like what Doyle said in terms of needing that solidity ahead of Williams, I'd have Milner on the right um, and I've won Alnum on the on the left. You know, I know he's he's played again, played very well again on the international break. But he's he's Mister Reliable, isn't he? And I'm hoping he just comes back fit and and firing. And then, yeah, this this is where I may be cheating slightly because I'd, I'd have Thiago as my third one, which it may be very unlikely. Well, I'd like I'd like Van Dijk centre back. <laughs> yeah, right. see, see, so Robertson playing centre half, not so yeah, silly. Can't huh? can't yeah, you can't do that. Well, okay, okay. Uh, Naby Keita would be my my reserve choice if if Thiago's out. But I do think if he's if there's a glimmer for him, I know you could maybe make the argument for Atalanta. But given what we said about Leicester, I, I don't, and I know they'd have the, the the bodies around him, and you know, with, with Vardy on his own up front, there would be times where it could be quite congested. But given their counter attacking nature, given the fact that it's a game at home. And I think with Wijnaldum and Milner either side of him, I think if Thiago was 80-85%, you could get a good hour out of him. And, and I do think without without Trent Alexander-Arnold, with Robertson, you know, not, not question marks over his fitness, I think it sounds like he'll be OK. Klopp didn't express any concern about him today, but Liverpool will need a bit of threat from central areas. You need someone who, with a bit of time on the ball, can pick a pass and potentially break down this, this five of Leicester, as we've talked about how they'll probably set up at the back. Um, so yeah, I think it, it is it is cheating a little bit, um, but I think if he's if if he's if he's marginal, I would I would put him in there with two. Bo- <laughs> I'd put him in there with two bodyguards and uh, yeah, you hope you're getting a lot of optimism. His actual legs, yeah, yeah. I can say, Sean, I know I know you're optimistic at the best of times, but that wave, that picture of the wave from him, giving you eighty percent fitness from a wave, I, I don't know where you're getting that one from. He walked up from, walked up from stairs as well, to be fair. Yeah, so true. That, yeah, get through an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Doily, what's your midfield setup? Uh, it's, it's it's a tough one, isn't it? It's a tough one. I think yeah, by default, we're just we're, we're basically going back to. You got to look at a slightly bigger picture in the sense that whoever plays in midfield, if it's Milner, which it will be, I think Milner and Wan Alden are definitely playing, and I think they'll play kind of in a kind of a two-y thing. Not that I'm saying they're going to play four-two-three-one, but they'll be kind of more 
sat back as you know Milner on the right. He'll be he'll keep an eye on that. I think Milner probably won't last ninety minutes. I think whoever the third midfielder is might last ninety minutes, depending on who it is. And I would go Cater as the third one, but also say to him because we'll come up to the, the forward line in a bit, and I'd say to him, right, it's your job to get up there and help those three. You get up there and you get those passes going and you start linking the play because he had a decent game. Pretty sure he played He played in the 4-0, didn't he? I'm pretty sure he played in that one. I think Wijnaldum had a good game in that one. And Cater definitely came on when they won 2-1 the previous season at Leicester and did all right in the last 20 minutes, I think. So, and, he, and, and he, he's got a bit of previous with Leicester as well in this fixture because it was, uh, should have had the penalty two seasons ago when he, he ended yeah. up, I think it was Pereira fouled him and he had the shot was saved. And if they get the penalty and Liverpool always score their penalties, then Liverpool would have won the league. So, Cater's fault we didn't win the league now. It's a joke, by the way. For anybody writes in, that is clearly a joke. It was the referee's fault for not giving the penalty. Um, so, yeah, Cater for the three. But then you've got Curtis Jones who can come on. I think it would be a bit unlucky for Curtis Jones not to start. But he'd be on the bench knowing quite well he's going to get at least half an hour, at least, if not more. And then you've got... We'll go on to the forward line in a bit, but then you've got Shakiri's another option. He could be somebody who could come into the cater position if things aren't quite going to plan and Liverpool need a little bit more. So there are some options, admittedly, they're, they're not in the areas that Liverpool actually need the options. Yeah, I'm going 4 2 3 1. Fabinho and Vijnaldum holding in the midfield with Shakiri, Firmino, and Mane on the left. Jotter's my striker. Uh, Sean, who's, <laughs> who's, who's leading the line for you? Uh, I, I was tempted, you know, Doyle said his name already, but I was tempted to try and work Shakiri into the mix somewhere. Because I think, you know, he's he's had some great cameos, maybe deserve to be rewarded with a little bit more game time. But I think, again, like we said about the fixture calendar, that will absolutely come. Um, but the other thing was, I think wasn't there a Switzerland game cancelled this week? So um, I haven't actually completely followed him in the international break. I presume he played one game and then obviously he played, played, against, the Spain, yeah. played against Spain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so... You know, when you compare that to Firmino, Jota, Mane, who I think all featured in, in two games, there's potentially an argument to throw him in. But I'm going to resist partly because as well, if you're playing him, unless you do what you, you do, guy, and stick him centrally somehow, you're playing him on the right. And if that right-hand side potentially comprises, uh, you know, a, a lesser a lesser spotted midfielder and Nico Williams or or Milner, it's it's looking not a little, not shaky necessarily. Obviously, there's some experience and talent there, but... Potentially an area where Leicester would think, well, you know, this this isn't a flank that knows each other's games inside out. You know, maybe we can expose it. So, yeah, I, I would go, but just to make it up slightly, um, I'd have I'd have Mane on the right, Jota on the left, and Firmino in the middle. Um, yeah, because I think you know Mane can then beef up that right flank a little bit. I think obviously you know Jota's look great, predominantly centrally, but he's look good on the left as well. Um, and yeah, Firmino. Uh, again, you know, he scored, didn't he? Again on on the international duty, uh, so hopefully that'll give him a little spark. Um, yeah, so Shakiri almost gets in there, but I think he he becomes my impact substitute in this one and uh, comes on for one of the other fellas. That's how substitutions work, Doily. <laughs> uh, right. Um, uh, basically, uh, what Sean just said, all of it. I think one thing that happened with. I'm not sure whether you spotted it on television. Obviously, that was the, the City game, which weirdly was less than two weeks ago, even though it feels like it was 15 years ago. Um, Jota wasn't really getting back as often as I think Klopp wanted, and Klopp was just shouting his name all the way through the first half whenever City were then on the on the attack, you know, Diogo, Diogo, this, that, and the other. So 
I would probably put him on the left because then at least you got Robertson and then the same token putting Manny on the right can it'll bolster up and add a bit of strength to the to the right. So I mean it's how much Liverpool actually do want to bother about what Leicester are going to do. Obviously they're going to pay some attention, but they're not going to switch everything around simply because they're playing against Leicester and they got a few players missing. I mean, there's every chance that they could end up with Fabinho at centre back, according to Sean Thiago in midfield. You know, and, you know, and, and probably Salah would make a remarkable recovery and turn up and play. Um, <laughs> but no, he's not playing. Uh, but yeah, I'd go with those three. And Liverpool do have some options. I mean, we haven't mentioned Minamino. We were mentioned at the start of the season because he played reasonably well. But he kind of had that one poor game, didn't he, against against the, the Danish side. Micheland, yeah, that's how you pronounce it, is it? I should know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and he hasn't really been seen since then. And Origi had a poor game against uh, Arsenal in the League Cup, and he's, he's barely been, been seen since then either. And he actually, he played against Micheland as well. He wasn't particularly good then. But the point being is that if, if Liverpool do need something a little bit different, They've still got a couple of players, Chikiri and Jones. So there are some alternatives going forward. It's just the defence that they need to be careful about. Yeah, if you've stuck with us through all of that, I don't know how you've managed it. Well done. Uh, there. That just proves that we don't know exactly who Jurgen Klopp's going to choose, but we will, of course, be right across the game on Sunday evening. Uh, across the Liverpool Echo website, the live blog there, you can uh, follow it all there in the Blood Red channel. Of course, we'll bring you Jurgen Klopp's post-match press conference and much more besides, including our live debrief after the game. Thank you as well to you guys for listening in. We're closing in on 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. Absolutely blown away by that. Really do thank you for sticking with us here on Blood Red. Great fun to... Uh, chat away on the Reds. And finally, before we go, don't forget to check out the Liverpool FC newsletter from the Echo, which has been redesigned with a fresh new look. All it takes is your email address in order to follow the big stories directly from your inbox without even needing to go searching. So if you haven't already signed up, do check out the description link in the podcast description. Thank you very much for joining us. I've been Guy Clark alongside me, Ian Doyle and Sean Bradbury. That's all for now here on Blood Red. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.